amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And hey guys, this is the first episode that we're recording since the official release release and we just want to thank you guys for listening for giving us feedback for recommending us i see you benjamin we appreciate it uh you know as i'm sure a lot of you are aware independent podcast especially for beginners is definitely a learning curve and i think we're we're catching on pretty quick you know the beginning was a little bit choppy you know, the audio wasn't great. Hopefully with our new platform that we're using, that will work out better. And I think a lot of like that first episode was my stutter. So we were just kind of like trying to edit out a lot of it. And now I'm at the point where, you know, there's nothing to be ashamed of if you have a stutter. So if it gets really bad, then we'll edit it out. If not, you know, we, everybody has some disfluencies, so we'll leave it in if we have to. Because fight us if you want to, like. Or you know, you could just laugh at us. It's okay. You can't yeah. hurt our feelings. You can't hurt our feelings. <laughs> we have children. No, but seriously, thank you guys. Definitely, um, if you have some advice for us, where to keep going from here, you know, we really would like to make this something special, and. You know, it's going to take a village to get us there because we're elder millennials. We have all this fancy equipment. We have thousands of dollars worth of Apple products. We have these nice little microphones, but we still need to, like, kind of reboot every now and then. The extent of our knowledge is turn it off and turn it back on again. (laughs) That's so true. And honestly, like, like you said, Windsor, it will take a village. And we're your children now. So you have to raise us. Yes. I mean, some of you guys will, will be your moms, and some of you guys are going to have to be our mothers <laughs> and fathers and parents and cousins and aunties. Can't have a village without aunties. Mm-hmm. But yes, thank you very much for listening and for continuing to stay on this journey with us. Hi, I'm Brittany. And Windsor. You're listening to Thanks, I Hate It, a podcast where two friends shoot the shit about social issues, throw shade at unsuspecting targets, and drink from the bottom shelf. Yes, sir. So today we are talking about something that Windsor and I both know a lot about, and that is 
parenting, we are going to be talking about how to raise them kids. Sort of. <laughs> a little bit, kind of. But before we get into that, like, what's been going on with you lately, Windsor? I feel like it's been hours since we last spoke. Hours since I last sent you a TikTok. Friday, me and Brian were just like, oh, you know, we need to kind of like just get away from these kids for a night. Just, you know, take a breath. So we get one of the free nights at the casino and we get the hotel room. We just picked up some food and we had like a little picnic on the bed and uh, got a little intoxicated. Duh. And I fell asleep at 8 (laughs) o'clock. You get a hotel room and then you fall asleep at 8 o'clock. Like classic. That's like the time Charles and I went to a buffet. And we only ate one plate of food. And we were like, we spent all this money to come to the buffet. We were ready. We had our fat pants on. And by fat pants, I mean like literally any pants in our closet. We had our pants. We were ready to go. We get through one plate of food and we're like, you know what? I think that's it. <laughs> it was it was so bad. And I, I passed out. It was probably the best night of sleep I've gotten in so long. Ridiculous. <laughs> I love that you got that sleep, though, because Friday night I was working the night shift. And I did not get that sleep. And so I was, I went out on a call and then I was on my way back home because in between, like we can't go to our office or anything because of COVID. Thanks a lot, Florida. Like you really screwed the pooch on this one. But I was driving back home and I was driving across this bridge and I see this girl walking and I was like, it's late. It's like 12 o'clock. I must be hallucinating because I've technically been at work since eight o'clock this morning. Like, there's no way that I'm seeing this girl. But I was. I've seen this girl, and she was walking barefoot up this bridge. And I was like, what is happening right now? It is too late at night. But she had places to go. She had things to do. And I don't, like, knock the hustle because she was getting where she needed to go. But it wasn't a good look. I mean, she at least needs some flip-flops on. Not in Florida, you don't. Everywhere you do. Not in Florida, you don't. They'd be like, shoes? What you mean, shoes? I got a picture. So I don't take pictures of, like, other people's kids or anything, but I definitely did take a picture of this lady's kid's feet one day because I was walking oh, no. through the grocery store, and this kid did not have shoes on. Oh. And I was like, no, I'm not seeing that right. And so I pulled out my phone, and I, like, it was just, like, just their feet because, again, you should never be taking pictures of other people's kids. Don't do it. But I, like, essentially it was, like, of the floor, and I'm, like, blowing this picture up on my phone, zooming in. And I was like, this kid really didn't have no damn shoes on. Like, in the middle of the grocery grocery store. That is nasty. It was disgusting. I definitely grabbed my almond milk creamer and left. I was like, I'm I'm done here. I'm gone. I will say that I'm kind of upset because I went to this Yankee Candle and because I saw a commercial and they had some cute uh, candles that I liked. But this one's all kind of scratched up and jacked up. But at least it smells good. Was it like on sale? Did you get it for the cheap? It is on sale. It's their Mystic Moon. It has bats and crescent moons all over it for Halloween. I also got a pumpkin pie one. Brian's like, that's like $40. I know. Yeah, Yankee Candle it is. I don't know. I haven't, I don't buy candles a lot unless, like if I go to some weird little like hole in the wall store where I'm going to buy a bunch of weird shit, I might buy some of their candles. But other than that, I don't know. I, I burn a lot of incense. Yeah, incense give me a headache sometimes. So this is kind of just like, so this is like a little just smidgen of smell good. And they'll last forever. I'll probably be burning this thing for like two years. No, you're going to be burning on that shit for the rest of your life. Like, 
We're going to be like, here lies Windsor and her Yankee candle never finished burning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So to bring us into this wonderful topic, I decided to not go too heavy tonight. I just didn't really want to wake up with that heavy feeling. So I went and got some cider. I got the Cider Bowl Strawberry Magic Apple Strawberry Hard Cider. Ooh. It has a little bit of tartness, so it's kind of like, why is it spicy? But it's good. So I stuck with, um, like, this. So I got it at Aldi's because every now and again I just run out to Aldi's to see if they have these um, cheeseburger quesadilla things that my son likes to eat, um, which they're totally disgusting, but he loves them and I can never find them. So I went out, and they did have them, and I grabbed one of their, it's like their Winking Owl wine bottles they're like two dollars i've never had all these wines so i wanted to give it a go um so they have one that's sangria and i love sangria and all its glory so i got one of those but i'm i'm also gonna go light not because i'm doing anything tomorrow but i just this wine was real cheap and i it was real cheap i didn't do the whole um tumbler full like i did last week so we should be good all right so i'm starting this week and we are talking about parenting we're gonna give an overview of parenting we're gonna go into parenting styles and Windsor what do you have for us we'll be talking about toxic parenting Ooh, my mom just raised her hand and your daddy oh which one <laughs> LOL. <laughs> so, so yes we're talking about parenting and you can't really talk um about parenting without giving a definition of like what parenting is supposed to be. And my dear aunt Wikipedia gave me a really nice definition of parenting. So Wikipedia said that parenting or child rearing is the process of promoting and supporting the physical, emotional, social, and intellectual development of a child from infancy to adulthood. So basically it's saying all of those main aspects of children you're supporting them in their growth through them. So, like, you got to make sure that they gain weight, that their emotions aren't all fucked up. Thanks, Mom. Um, that they're socialized, that they're on par with wherever they should be um, intellectually. And if they're not on par with that, like, what do you need to do next? So parenting is doing those things and helping pretty much, like, grabbing that child's arm well, not their arm and not grabbing them, maybe grabbing their hand. Um, holding and, their hand. And holding their hand. There you go. See, I sound really aggressive as a parent and I'm <laughs> not all the time. But it's essentially, it's like taking their hand and walking them through like the parking lot of life, which I really liked that metaphor. I might write that bitch down. <laughs> <laughs> Words to live by. Words to live by. Walk your kid through the parking lot of life while holding their fucking hand. So side note real quick, I worked with a woman once and she told me that her um, so I used to like teach parenting and work with parents to get them where they needed to be to keep their kids safe. And this woman told me once that she didn't think that her four-year-old, who um, she had her own set of like developmental things the four-year-old did. She was like, I don't think she needs to hold a hand when she walks to the parking lot. And I was like, let me tell you something. If you don't think she needs to hold a hand when she walks through the parking lot, then she will never walk through a parking lot. But the problem with that is, is that my car is in the parking lot. 
So it sounds like we we just not going to be doing anything. And she was like, I see what you're saying. And I guess I'll hold her hand. Yeah, I guess you will. That's yeah. my authoritarian. Anyways, so um, the Wikipedia definition, that's my, that's the closest to my personal understanding of parenting. So parenting is really, it's that process of getting the kid from point A to point B, which point B is adulthood, making sure that they're able to survive in the world. So every single parent on the planet has their own philosophy Ooh, that was a hard yeah, word. philosophy? I know. <laughs> philosophy. That sounds, that's from, you know, you live in here up in the Northeast for a while. That ooh, <laughs> those hard vowels. <laughs> philosophy. See, now I'm so, um, I've got Philosophizing? <laughs> Philosophizing. Listen, every parent philosophizes about how to raise their child. So some parents go the spare the rod, spoil the child route. Or as I call it, the beat your kid with sticks or they'll suck route. Um, personally, we, this podcast, we don't ascribe to the beat your kids with sticks um, no, we route. Don't. But we also won't judge anybody that does subscribe to it as long as the state that they live in doesn't deem spankings illegal, which there are some states that do. Just know that if you do go this route, there are a number of studies that have been done that link spanking to negative outcomes. But like, we're not judging you or anything. Yes, and... We need to clarify that this is a pop, not a beaten. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we do not. So we will judge you if you're beating your child. I'm going to judge you if you're popping your kid, too. Um, but that's just me because I'm judgmental as fuck. Oh, yes. But I will call the police. I will snitch on you. I don't like the police, but you better believe that I will be calling them if I see you beating your kid. Well, and even in states that um, where it's legal to spank your children, you still can't beat the shit out of them. No, but you can't. this we don't we're not subscribing to beating your kids. Um, please don't beat them with objects. I mean, I don't like to spare the rod, spoil the child, but that is the philosophy of some parents. That's their thing, especially Whatever. old school parents. Oh, girl. So then um, you've got the do as I say, not as I do parent, which translates into. You can watch me fuck up, but I better not see you doing the same because I told your ass what to be doing. Um, that's one of my... Don't... Uh, why are you putting me on the spot like that? Like, why must you read me so? I mean, I just felt really called out when I was reading that one. I was like, damn, called I do out. that all the time. Like, I'll be like, you can't eat cookies for breakfast. And I damn sure I'll be like getting ready to head to work and walking into our pantry and then grabbing some cookies and saying, you know what? I'm probably not going to eat breakfast today. Let me just eat these real quick. I yeah. the worst. Like, well, I'm the adult. <laughs> <laughs> right. I spent my whole childhood not being able to eat cookies for breakfast. You better leave me alone. When you're, yeah. when you're grown and you have your own job and you can buy your own cookies, you can eat cookies for breakfast. That's what it is, is that I bought them. So I could do whatever the fuck I want if I bought them. <laughs> um, so the next one that I have is if you live under my roof, you follow my rules. Or as I say, you're more than welcome to be homeless if you don't want to follow the rules that I set up. But your ass isn't taking a damn thing out of the room that I pay for. That's a, a, war, a one that I say often um, that I probably shouldn't say because it's very, very, very like detrimental to the child. But it's one of those ones that I read it and I was like, damn, they're really reading me for filth right now. They're really calling me the fuck out over the things that I say to my kid and how toxic I could possibly be. Oh, yeah. So... Those are just some philosophies that some parents um, ascribe to. But outside of philosophies, there's actually different parenting styles. So those were just a few 
sayings that align with different beliefs of parent. But to view this like in a more guided approach, we're gonna go through each of the four defined parenting styles. They were initially named in around the 1960s by Diana Bur. I see, I couldn't say her name, and I knew I wasn't gonna be able to say her name. Diana Baumride. So Diana Baumride was a psychology academic, and she is actually the mother of the parenting style. So she did a bunch of research and she was able to come up with three styles that she believed every parent would fall into. As time continued um, and as we as like a nation grew and changed and parents were doing like all kinds of different shit, um, a fourth was added. So those four parenting styles were authoritarian, authoritative, permissive, and uninvolved slash neglectful. So Expectations dictate that all parents will fall into one of these four areas when raising their tiny little monsters. Um, one of the things to note, and so this is, so I am no psychology professional. I am barely like a child professional. I'm barely a parent, basically. <laughs> um, so, but I feel like if you were to look at anybody in today's world, even though there would be one that would be predominant, you could see any parent in any one of these at any given time. So yes. say I am an uninvolved parent, like let's just start there. Say I'm uninvolved, but every now and again, depending on context, I might be permissive or I might be a total authoritarian. Mm -hmm. It really kind of depends. But the idea is that every parent will very heavily fall into at least one of these categories when they're rearing their children. So we're going to talk about the category. I'm going to define that bitch for you so you know what the fuck we're talking about. And then I'm going to give you a pop culture um, television or movie reference where this style of parenting has been used. I will say that I tried my damnedest to not use obvious examples. It didn't work all the way because it, it can be hard to find parenting styles, especially since most movies I feel like aren't about being parents. Like, no, or it's like some mix of something that's really not even, or it's just so out of the norm that it's right. kind of like, well, what's this? Exactly. And so, I mean, and it's cool that p movies aren't about being parents because yes. that's like, it's fucking boring. Nobody wants to watch a movie about yeah. some mom trying to watch, like, wash her nasty kid's face every day. That shit sucks. Yeah. And nobody's perfect. Definitely nobody's a perfect parent, so it's kind of like when you see when they try to make this perfect parent, you're like, "Where's the gag, though?" Exactly, like that shit's not realistic, and the gag is is that it was all a nightmare. Like seriously, like oh, this was a dream. Your dad actually died in a car accident when you were two. What? Exactly. So, um, before we get started, so know that each of the four parenting styles is um, categorized based on the level of expectations that the parents give and their level of responsiveness to the child's wants and needs. So all of these in some way or form could fall on a spectrum for those two things. You either are like really demanding, but you don't meet your kids wants or needs or whatever. Like it could be any variation and those variations make up the four parenting styles. We're going to start with authoritarian, and I want you to know that I just made this face when I said so, and it reminded me of, like, cringy-ass Jeffree Star getting ready to announce something on his channel, so I need to uh, do something else with my hands because I just put myself in a place I didn't want to be. Anyway. I forgot that was his last name. Out here trying to copy Patrick Star, like, Spongebob <laughs> need to get on that. Seriously. He's trying to copy your man. Anyways, so... <laughs> <laughs> So our okay. 
we're going, we're doing this. Our first one is authoritarian, or as I like to call it, the fuck around parenting mm-hmm. style. So authoritarian parenting is parenting where parents, that's parents a lot in that sentence. That must have been one of the ones that I wrote the other night when I was half awake. Okay. So these parents um, make a shit ton of demands of their kids. They've got really high expectations, but at least from the outside looking in, they're providing very little response to the child's want and need. So it's like two ends of the two spectrums. You're, they're both at extremes. I'm going to give you all these demands, but like, fuck your feelings. Type we'll get deal. to it. Yeah, we'll, we'll get, get to, to it. it. Um, I'm going to get to it right now because this is in my <laughs> section. So, based on the definition, um, this seems like the worst possible parenting style you can um, have. Honestly, all the time it's not great, but I just want to note right here that these parenting styles were defined by a white American woman in the 1960s. All of the work on race, different cultures, things like that, it wasn't involved in the research that she was doing. And so their races, socioeconomic status cultures things like that where is not deemed in that that negative light that this is the worst possible thing that you could do it really depends is the norm in some cultures it is the norm but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not in any way not toxic right it's not saying that it's toxic it's just normal in some cultures Right. And if it's something that, uh, honestly, a lot of this comes down to child resilience. And I, that, this isn't in my notes. This is just something that I know. Some of it can come down to child resilience. It, what's toxic is dependent on that person. So I did want to note, like, off rip, that this could sound like your parent. This could sound like your auntie. This could sound like your grandma. Not saying that you're that person is toxic in your life it comes down to what your expectations of that person were did you get the things that you needed because this person could have really high expectations from you and then maybe they're just like hey baby i love you and then you're like okay cool that's enough for me it just really comes down to like for example this is also a subset of this is called tiger parenting kind of like you know the whole helicopter things they like to name things now tiger parenting is an authoritative type of parenting and it's actually one of the most common toxic parenting traits Hmm. and they're known for putting excellence in academics and carefully chosen extracurriculars above leisure times they're authoritarian and have high expectations this is a tough love type of parenting where children are expected to respond to challenges but when it Like, I can tell you right now, if I talk to my daughter, at least three of her friends are depressed and miserable because they have this type of parent, you know? So, like, it's not saying that it's toxic for wanting your child to succeed. Absolutely not. But it's when you don't allow them to do anything outside of school or learn how to be their own person or you're setting the, holding them to standards set by their siblings or their cousins, when you punish failure, you know, you're setting that child up for that failure. So, you know, you kind of have to still, you got to be kind of in the middle there. There's nothing wrong with wanting these kids to succeed, but you got to meet them in the middle. They're people. Right. And some of it can be context. Um, So with the authoritarian parent, um, they have high expectations and they don't generally bend on those expectations. So like if I told your ass to get an A, you better get an A. Like I'm not playing with you. It is very, very real. 
Um, these parents also tend to have harsh punishments when expectations aren't met, which is probably what leads in like your daughter's friends. It's probably what helps to contribute to some of their depression um, is those harsh punishments. But there are like there are positives that have been identified for every single one of these um, oh, yeah. parenting styles. And so it really depends on context. So like with authoritarian parents, these kids are less likely to rebel. So like all children, it's in some way, they're going to go through that rebellion phase where they're going to either assimilate to what you've set up as like their life or they're going to rebel from it. And so these kids are more likely to assimilate. They're just like, you know, whatever it is, what it is. I'm just going to do it. Um, they do tend to do pretty well academically. And one of the things that really kind of had me like, oh, damn, girl was safety. Safety is a huge, huge, huge thing for authoritarian parents. And so that's where the context comes in. So if I'm telling you that you need to be home at when the streetlights come on and this is not something I'm playing with and you come home after the streetlights. By the time they came on. Exactly. So if I'm telling you that, I'm telling you that for a reason. Even if my answer to you is because I said so, there's a safety aspect. And so like a lot of um, lower socioeconomic families ascribed to authoritarian parenting and some of it's because they don't have time to like I don't want to say do all that fluffy shit because kids definitely need like hugs and kisses and things like that but they've got x amount of hours in a day and you need to be on your stuff because I'm over here doing the things that I need to do to make this household work but Um, also they're likely to have had that same uh parenting growing up so literally my next line yeah. <laughs> Literally, yes. So they're likely, you know, parents do what they saw growing up. Usually what parents do is we'll see what we saw growing up and then as we can, we'll make adjustments to it to make it work for us because we need to because shit changes all the time. But yes, you do what you saw your parents do. When I was a parent in the beginning, I did what I saw my mother do. And it took me so long to be like, all right, that shit is not working for me. This is what I need to do now. Safety is a huge thing for these families. These kids are out here getting shit done. You know, while our kids are out here finger painting, these kids are like doing taxes and shit. Like they are making moves. And so there are some positives to authoritarian parenting, but it all comes down yes. to the resilience of that child. And, and moderation. Like, yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm an authoritarian parent in moderation. And yes. just like going back to that safety piece, mine is always safety related. Like, yes. Don't be fucking around with the kids down the street. Like, I'm not playing with you. I will take your whole whole bedroom away. You're going to have to sleep in the hallway. Just kidding. That's illegal. But I am very much a more lenient parent. Like, you know, my kids have a – we have a good relationship. Like, my daughter can tell me anything. You know, I trust her because she hasn't given me a reason not to trust her. Uh, But everything – but when it comes to their safety – you better believe that they know I mean business. Right. If, and I, if I tell you something, I'm not telling you because I want to hurt your feelings. I'm telling you because you could die. And that's what the, the thing is. And so a lot of these, um, especially depending on um, the family, where you're at, what's going on at that time. Um, I have a friend and her husband's from Syria. And his parents, like, they were, they went hard like no you are not about to be outside playing while we're at work because they would be like at home um the kids would be like no you can't be outside playing this is not a fucking game like what are you doing to his little brothers and sisters and so they're like god they're so 
now i mean they they all live in canada now but they're like they are so harsh well it was a very safety related thing you can't just be out in these streets playing around and that might seem like something that we'd be like children don't understand exactly it's something that children don't understand but we also as like americans who've had you know pretty long standing history of like peacetime on u.s soil with the exception of 9 11 and I think before that was like Pearl Harbor. Other yeah. than those things, like we were not used to that. But those technically, those yeah. types of expectations would fall into authoritarian parenting. Yes. Ours is more local stranger danger. Ugh, girl, don't even get me started because I definitely looked up my locals the other day and I was just like, all the places you will not go. And he's like, I'm 14. And I was like, I don't fucking care. You got those pretty eyes. Like, get that bit. No, we aren't doing that. When you're adult, you're still not doing that. Anyways, so that's authoritarian um, parenting. And so I have an example of authoritarian parenting. Most people look at like Red um, Red Foreman from that 70s show uh-huh. as an example. He He's a pretty good example, but I felt like, um, so I don't know if you've ever watched Everybody Hates Chris. Please just of course say I yes. have. Okay. Well, <laughs> please just say yes. Um, who, who do you think I am? I don't know. I don't know. I got friends that are like, no, I've never seen that. And I'm like, you know what? Don't even talk to me. Here's- We're not friends anymore. Anyways. So Rochelle, Chris's mom, is an example of an authoritarian parent. So like while her husband, Julius, was super laid back, Rochelle, she was not having that shit. Her man had two jobs and she did not have time for her kid's shit. So in one of the episodes, I felt really embodied this parenting style. And when I say this shit hit home so hard, like I feel like I got hit with a baseball bat when I was watching this again the other day. So Rochelle discount on sausage. So she buys a whole bunch of sausage. You know how we do it. Like go to the store and that shit's on sale. And we're like, you know what? I'm going to get 10 pounds. Like I did with the manager meat last week. Exactly. And so, um, she buys all this sausage. Well, one of her kids, her youngest child, Tanya, she doesn't eat sausage. And so Rochelle is just like, I don't give a fuck if you don't eat sausage. You're about to eat the sausage. So Rochelle literally makes sausage as a part of every single meal because she got all the sausage. Like, you can't just let that shit go to waste. And I know that. Like, I got so much ground turkey in my fucking freezer right now. We about to have ground turkey on everything. You ready? You eat what's served to you. Or you don't eat at all. Oh, we about to get to it. So then Tanya's like, I'm not eating this sausage. And Rochelle says, okay, well, you go sit at this table. When, sir, let me tell you. So when I, peas, I fucking hate peas. To this day, I will not eat peas. I don't know what it is. I just don't fuck with them. They don't fuck with me. We don't like each other. They don't even, I don't even buy them in my house. Charles loves peas. Will you see a pea in this house? Not here. Not at 224, blah, blah, blah. You will not see a goddamn pea. That's like Brian. (laughs) I do not fuck with peas. My mom definitely made peas one night. And I was like, cool. Like, thank you for all the rest of it. I I don't fuck with those peas. And she's like, I guess you'll be sitting at this table. So I'm sitting at this table. I'm sitting at this table until my dad gets home for work. In the show, Tanya is sitting at this table until her dad wakes up in the middle of the night. And this girl is falling asleep at this table. And what you do is you just sit there until somebody gets tired of seeing you and says, take your ass to bed. And then you get served it for breakfast. Oh, my God. But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> tell me i'm wrong tell me i'm wrong fucking 
my stress <laughs> you, that <laughs> triggered you that that we have to put a trigger warning in there for you but in that episode like this little girl sat there forever and this happens like this is not something that's new for different households everybody's been through it but it was like that scene was so authoritarian because rochelle was just like i don't give a fuck when i was reading through this and all the expectations i was just like that bitch really expected me to eat some fucking peas and she knew i didn't like peas so i still don't like peas and she'd still be trying me on that shit i'm fucking 32 years old leave me alone with them but, <laughs> but like, i'm having a moment but let me bring it back in <laughs> It was a good example of Rochelle's like authoritarian nature because she set an expectation. She was unwilling to bend on it. And she didn't give a fuck about her daughter's feelings on that. Like, I don't care if you don't like it, but she had a reason. And that was the thing that the child didn't know because their family didn't have a lot of money. She bought that sausage on sale. Y'all about to eat this sausage. This is not a game because we don't have the yeah. money for it to be a game. And that's so, not something you tell your kids either. So exactly. it's like, they'll figure it out when they get older, but you don't just tell your, your eight year old that you can't afford anything but this. So exactly, exactly. Like you don't have those conversations with them. And so you find yourself in a rock and a hard place. And that's where Rochelle was. And as an adult and as a viewer, you get that. But as the child being in that situation, which that's the way. And so that's one of those, those contextual things with authoritarian parents that I feel like, even though like off rip, it sounds like the worst option possible. Yeah. There are those contextual things, but that's not saying that it's great. Please give your kids some fucking flexibility. Please remember that they are people too. They are next. So authoritative parenting. So these are the, we'll talk about it during the family meeting parents oh my no God. no no these are technically like the good ones family <laughs> meetings maybe i don't know technically so when i used to teach parenting classes that was something that we told our families to do and people would always be like do you do family meetings with your family and i would yeah, lie right to course. their face yep like right to their face of course i do all the time anytime we need to talk about something no good and goddamn well that the closest thing we ever got to a family meeting was a fucking family group text <laughs> i was about to say that a group text <laughs> so, by the way we're getting pizza today. and because i'm an authoritarian you don't get a fucking say anyway <laughs> so authoritative parents are they have that balance between their expectations and their responsiveness to the needs of their children so I feel most parents fall, for the most part, somewhere in here. We've got very high expectations for our children, but we're also showing them tons of love. So I think that, you know, what we were talking about earlier in the moderation was more authoritarian, this one. Yes. Not really so much authoritarian, but authoritative. Yes, and that's exactly what it is. So these type of parents, um, so they use rules to empower their children and to make them feel independent and supportive. They're really good with setting like healthy boundaries and realistic expectations. But then they're also really good at being like, you know what, I'm really glad that you tried, which is something that I've had to teach myself to say because I did start out as a very authoritarian parent. And we, we need to learn how to apologize to our children when we're, when we're wrong. So I'm actually really, nope, I'm really good at it because I, I, it's like I put myself outside of myself and I'm like, man, I'm not about to apologize to this kid. 
And then I'm like, Brittany, you know you were wrong. You were wrong. And so I'll be like, Jalen, I apologize for da 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 I had no right to say that to you. And he'll be like, oh, okay. Like, it always catches him off guard. You had no right to say what you said either, though. But no, like, like I got to get that later because I'll go in. No, 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 no. You got you got to end it before the butt because if you say the butt, it takes away everything you just said. So I always like say that part, and then I'll be like, well, "Why don't you come downstairs?" Like, well, I don't know. We'll bake something together. We'll like you can water my plants or whatever. And then I'll be like, "So <laughs> let's talk about what you said." But like it puts distance between it, so he could live in it. Anyways, I dig. This is essentially um, the parenting style where. Most people want, most people are. So, like, this can look different in different families for different reasons. I feel like even in, like, the cultures and whatnot or the situation and the context where things feel more authoritarian and they seem authoritarian on the the outside, if you're really looking into them, they're probably authoritative. And that love or that meeting of needs maybe just looks different. But this is essentially, it's a sweet spot. Like yeah. this is this is the G spot of parenting. Honestly. Yeah, you recognize that you know you have these goals that you have in mind, but you give them the room to make those errors, and you work on how to go above it. Because I'm a firm believer that you need to make mistakes to learn, and you know it's not just authoritarians that don't give room for those mistakes. It's kind of like you know a child. Uh, adolescent, a young adult, a regular adult, an older adult. We all need to learn lessons as we go. There's nothing that we come out of the womb knowing. Exactly. And honestly, experience shapes every single thing that we do. It shapes like our next responses. And so like, like I said, this is the G spot of parenting. This is exactly where you want to be all the time. And so I think a really good example of an authoritative parent is Claire Huxtable. So oh we're, yes. We're only talking Claire though because fuck Bill Cosby. We're we stand Felicia Rashad. We we're love talking her. about that episode where she went to Jersey. I know, no, no, because I have it down. I wrote it down. So, <laughs> so. I did not look at her notes. I swear to God, <laughs> I wrote it down. <laughs> so. So she's very good at setting clear expectations. Um, she's very good at providing her kids with continuous love. She'll even get fair consequences, especially when her kids go have big fun in Baltimore. You were eating donuts in Baltimore. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I can't. Yes. So she's a really, really good example. Um, again, fuck Bill Cosby. Like, I wish I could figure out a way to just get him out but of the show. But he was not. Uh, he was kind of like the whatever. Uh, yeah, well, fuck him. Yeah, he, we're not so gonna talk good. about him. She was a single mother. I, my next sentence. My head canon is that she was a single mother <laughs> with a number of children, and she was killing it as a lawyer and in a wonderful authoritative parent. Where Get out he my died, and she got all this money from his life insurance. <laughs> That's how she was able to continue to live in New York. Yeah, that works. So it, she's just a really good example. Also, I have an honorable mention. Um, this is more so for you and I, Windsor, than anybody else. But Bert Hummel, he was oh, a great yeah. authoritative parent. He set wonderful limits. He was really good at balancing boundaries and that love aspect. So 
really good example. Yes, I agree. I know, right? I started to use him all the way, and then I was just like, that's, I got to yeah. give myself a break. Because yeah, we're going to. Then I got to watch all those episodes of Glee again. And. With just him, though, just the one season. Right, of course. Of course. Um, so now we're going to the permissive parent. So this is the I'm not a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. Cool mom. Parenting style. I'm a cool mom. Okay, Amy Poehler. You know what? You are a cool mom. Um, so this parenting style is marked with limited um, structure and a lack of limits. These parents are low on expectation, but they're very high on responsiveness to the wants of their children, not necessarily the needs of their children, because children do need some type of structure. But that, well, in my opinion, I'm not a psychologist or, you know, anybody that's really worth a damn. They but absolutely need some form of structure. Because listen, if you send your free-range child over to my house, oh no, and child. they're acting a whole ass fool, then I will be the one calling you in the middle of the night. Like I don't know, you got to come get this. Not in my house. I'm not even going to ask you how they're getting them. Um, but I'm not so, going to hit somebody else's child, but they're going to learn in my house. I was house. like, damn. No, I wouldn't hit somebody else's child. I don't even. I don't even really hit my kids. And you can't get your kids to hit them either, and like you can't get your kids to do it either. But you talk, like, listen, you're not going to be up in the house with that yeah, no, bullshit. You're not, that's, that's the whole thing. And so this, um, this type of parenting is, it's like diet parenting. So it's like if you were to eat dessert without dinner, which I'd be doing that shit sometimes when nobody's home. But it's really like the hard stuff, the setting limits, the confrontations that you can have with kids, the meltdowns, those things are essentially gone. Because yeah. you're not doing that work. And then it's all the fun stuff, like the hugs and stuff. I used to call them weekend parents. Yes. So these are the parents that um, say they're yes, yes. They're the yes men and women. Yes. But it's the hard shit that happens during the week that they're not doing. I feel like everybody knows a weekend parent, that yes person um, that's ready to give their kid the world. But then they're not making those hard decisions, maybe nope. not taking them to those doctor's appointments, doing all the real shit. Those children come home acting a goddamn fool. And then they got to be whipped back in shit. Like, not literally who? whipped. But no, like, who? I, I'm not sure who you're talking to, but I know it's not me. Facts. Oh, we just had this conversation earlier because Jay went to go stay with my mother for the weekend and he came home talking a big game. And I was just like, get you to walk back outside and walk back inside. We're going to reset the whole scene. Because you're We're not talking act to me. Like that didn't happen. I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Before I wreck you. And by wreck yourself, we mean take away all of your electronics and everything you love. Yes, never physical. But yeah. these type of parents, um, they're they just they tend to avoid that limit setting, or if they set limits, they're extremely inconsi- inconsiderate. They're con- extremely inconsistent. Um. Also, they take their, this one blew my mind, they take their kids' opinions into account when making life-saving, nope. They take their, (laughs) I'm sorry, this, I can't talk. Take their children's opinions into account when they're making life-changing decisions. So, an example would be like, I do that. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Not like that. uh Wait a minute, if you're going to say, when I was going to get married, I thought about what my kids would say. No, so no I'm talking about like um, when Brian was trying to, he was getting headhunted by this place in Pennsylvania 
they wanted to offer him like 150k a year, but I'm like, but the kids are happy here. No, 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 no. So that is more of I feel like that's more like standard parenting because okay, I okay. I do the same thing with my kid or I'll have conversations like this is what's about to happen because say he was getting headhunted and maybe you guys had just been like completely kicked by coronavirus and you needed to move. Yeah. You would be more likely to, to make yeah. that decision, but you would have had that conversation with your kids to prepare them because you don't want to just rip your kids out of something and be like, sorry about your life. These are more like, I think I want to buy a new car. Bobby, what kind of car should we get? And he's like, I want Bumblebee. And mom's like, great. We're driving a transformer. It's those yeah, no, kind of decisions where you don't have any money to put in, but like you want to make decisions. It's not, it's not like, Oh no, sweetie. No, 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 no. It's something no. when I say life's changing, I'm thinking more along the lines of life changing for that parent, but maybe doesn't impact that child all the way. So you know, like, if it doesn't impact you, what car I want, what bed set I buy, what couch I buy, what dining room table I buy. Exactly. It doesn't matter. But like things that are going to impact them, like if you move to Pennsylvania, which I kind of, even though I know you guys will never leave Connecticut, I kind of would have been into you living in Pennsylvania. I would have been closer to Melissa. I know. But with all the kids like right in the middle of like everything. There's just, so yeah, I feel like that would have been a more appropriate along any of the parenting styles. It's very appropriate to yes. say to your kid, like, this is what's going on. Yeah, but I didn't to, have to. So exactly the choice so these was parents, there. Exactly. And these parents are like, I have to tell my kid that I want to buy a new computer and have them come help me pick out the software. But their kid's a baby. And so their baby is just like, ooh, yellow. And they're like, I guess yeah. I'm getting the yellow one. Yeah, no, we're not doing that. That's exactly. not a thing that we're going to be doing here. Not in this Caucasian house. <laughs> and it's one <laughs> So these are the parents I also think about in the sense that, like, they're very much a... So, like, we say things like, I'm not one of your little friends. Oh. So don't talk to me like that. But these are the parents that are your little friends. They're the ones that are like, look at this guy I saw on Tinder. Or... Look at this girl. Da, da, da. Like, they're very much I'm okay with friendly. that once you're over the age of 18. Okay, well, these kids aren't 18. Like, I'm just yeah, go I'm no. going with these kids are, like, between 2 and 15. Yeah. No, we're not doing that. Like, because, you know what? I'd get kind of, like, into it. Like, especially, like, my older teenager, like, my adults, like, adult children kind of like, oh, and, like, I met this person. Like, oh, are they cute? But they look, you know. Well, yeah, and so... It's definitely blurring those lines with a younger child. Yeah, no. Like the make, younger children need to have a set expectation of what is expected of them, their role as children. I mean, so obviously they are valued and they have a personhood, but realizing that an eight-year-old doesn't get to decide everything about life. Exactly. And so these parents are very much along the lines of like, I want to be your friend, or even if they're not using that same vocabulary, that's essentially what they're thinking. I want to be your Do friend. I look like Booboo the Fool. Yes. <laughs> Just kidding. That parent does. That parent does. That like, parent. I don't really know who Booboo the Fool is, but I do know that that probably is that person. It's a clown. Um, and no, these parents was, are clowns. I'm just no, kidding. I was making, there was a, there was a TikTok where it's like, you know, 
you don't know who Boo Boo the Fool is, but you know who he ain't. Yes. So that is, I mean, it is these parents, except for, so there are some benefits. Um, these parents do emphasize natural consequences, um, which I'm, I'm a big, big on natural consequences. Exactly. With the, ex- I mean, except for when safety's involved. So these parents no. do think about the safety of their children. They're not out here like watching you get like a wet piece of string and try to stick it in a light socket. But things like if I tell you not to walk outside with onto the porch with no shoes on because it's raining and you do and then you come and complain to me because your feet are wet, well, I just told your ass not to do that. And you still decided to do it and mm-hmm. these are your natural consequences. So, I mean, there is kind of, there's a limit to what they're or just like, willing to let their children do or not with, do most of the time. With one of the children, it's the kind of like, well, like you're going to get upset and you're going to like kick something or hit something and then you're crying because you stubbed your toe. Well, had you not done that, you wouldn't be hurt. So that sounds like a lot of natural consequences to me. Exactly. So that's a natural consequence. These parents are really big on natural consequences. What's going to happen is going to happen to their children. And I'm all for natural consequences. So this form of parenting also, it's really good for allowing children to like explore the world um, without the confines of the limits of like the standard child. So these kids, they usually get to feed their creativity a lot. These parents are really big on like, I want my children to experience things. And so I might step back a little bit and just kind of let them live their experience and grow and create. And it's definitely shown to be helpful like when you're rearing very creative children because it doesn't like stifle their creativity yeah Yeah. there are some positives just like with any other one there are positives again moderation exactly so um i was very disappointed because i could not find any really good examples of um a permissive parent which was disappointing um but i did find some examples so the first one is June George, she's Regina George's mother. She is she who we named this section after. Um, So she was more along the lines of her daughter's friend. In the movie, she was seen allowing minors to consume alcohol in her home. Oh, no. Um, There was this whole, like, scene with, like, this sexy dancing, and she was all into it. There was also... That is iconic. Iconic. iconic everybody knows that scene everybody knows that scene everybody knows her i'm pretty sure everything that she said on the show everybody knows it because amy poehler did such a good job in this but there's also a scenes where she's seen offering her daughter condoms and i'm not talking about in like the progressive i want you to be safe type of way it's more like a get it girl kind of way and her child being under the age of 18 um yeah no we don't do that we will absolutely make sure that you have what you need to be protected i don't want you doing that but i'm not stupid Right, exactly. So it definitely is. I mean, we've all seen the movie. It's not a I want you to be safe and okay. It's very much like a have a good time. And again, so with all all of these through a safety lens, like on a different character, this could look very different. She could be the parent that says, I don't want you consuming alcohol outside of the home because it's dangerous. I want you to do it inside the home where I know you're going to be safe. Do I condone it? It's not my place. I didn't write the movie. But it's one of those things where through a different lens, 
on yeah. a different character, this type of thing would still be considered permissive parenting, but you could see where it would have a positive effect instead of the one that was written in Mean Girls, which was written entirely to have a negative effect. Yes. So good job, Amy Poehler. You did a great job making all moms uncool moms. And also my last note on that one, it's all about intent, which is basically what I just said. What is the intention of you being permissive in one situation or another? Is it to keep your kids safe? Is it to, you know, help them through something? What's the the intent? And also like Windsor said, moderation. It's just like when we drink wine or like when we eat cake, Everything in moderation. Which, it sucks so bad to do things in moderation. It really does. But we got to, because we just we just do. So, last, but certainly not least, this is the newest kid on the block. Um, this is the uninvolved or the neglectful parent. I call it the fuck them kids parenting uh-huh. style. So, like I said, often referred to as neglectful parenting. These parents aren't... They're not even on the actual spectrum that was established for parenting. These parents are the ones that don't set expectations for their children and equally don't tend to respond to their wants or needs. Um, This is viewed very negatively, as you can see by the term neglectful. Yes. But, yeah, so deemed very negatively. Um, Essentially, you're the kid. You're expected to, like, set your own limits. The parent believes that you're going to set your own limits. So this Um, is free-range parenting? This is Will and Jada? So actually, um, permissive parenting is what's considered free-range parenting. Oh, okay. So, so that's this is... Just, okay. This is just considered straight-up neglect. So okay, this, okay. When I was reading this, honestly, it sounded like 80s and 90s parenting. Um, like, where were those parents at? I'm just saying. And this work. is by a latchkey kid. They were with, work. Exactly. Work. Exactly. And so that's honestly, um, so this parenting style is often assumed that these parents don't care about their kids, but that's not always the case. Sometimes this parenting style is adopted for convenience. So parents that have to work consistently outside of the home and believe that their children have the ability to like, listen, I was at home getting it done as a latchkey kid of seven years old. Was I way too young to be home alone? Yep. I did the same, though, but we didn't have a choice. Exactly. And so that, I mean, honestly, in some situations, some parents are still living that 80s, 90 reality. Like, it's 90 kids in 2020 where yep. you you don't have the choice. You still got to do that because shit. Because daycare costs $2,000 a month. I will tell you, I make well over the minimum wage, and my check barely would cover daycare for one child. Listen, I got to send you to daycare or pre or college. You tell me which one's going to get you through life easiest. Exactly. So I, people got to make decisions. But it's definitely um, something that sometimes people adopt out of convenience where they're just like, you know what, my kids can, I, I kind of train them. I'm pretty sure they got it from here. I've got to work or they're not going to have a house to live in or they're not going to have, um, food to eat and that's not always the case sometimes people just suck yeah some people Um, are just real shit parents that especially when you bring in mental some mental illnesses as some we're gonna say some and when you bring in like substance abuse yep and that's what i was gonna say so like these other things come into play sometimes um but essentially it's sometimes it's convenient sometimes it's just you might think your kids got it 
but basically you're not setting expectations and then you're not giving them meeting those emotional needs um, of the child. So an example of this, because there's not really a shit ton to say on this one, other than the fact that it really kind of depends on the, the situation and the intent, just like everything. And it, it depends on the intent, but it also depends on like the kid. I mean, there's so many factors that go into these. But I found um, a few examples of this in pop culture. So the first one I have is Frank Gallagher, the patriarch from Shameless. Oh, boy. So he was physically, emotionally, and financially abusive to his children when he was around. And then when he would leave them, essentially they'd have to fend for themselves. He wasn't offering you any hugs. He wasn't get, like telling you I love you and I hope you have a good day at school. These were not the aspects of him. He had a lot of shit going on. Um, so Frank Gallagher grew up in a good, like a good, well, actually a moderate family. Cause his mom was kind of a dirtbag. He grew up in an okay family and he was on a right track until drugs came into play. And then he had all of these children. Um, so there's drugs, there's mental illness, just like you said, Windsor, all of these things are there and it's just, Frank is selfish also. And it's easier oh. for him to just be like, you know, fuck them kids than to deal with their wants and their needs and there's so many of them like it's like eight there's a lot of them and definitely not all his no he took dna tests i think most of them were his kids the black well, one was not his the kid. baby yes he was yep. oh you're right i still don't quite but the redhead wasn't his kid which was weird like he was one of the favorite i know i know same um so on the other example was basically every single parent on the show, um, The Good Place. So there's Donna Shellstrop, who was Eleanor Shellstrop's mom. Um, she, very uninvolved parent. She, I don't, and they didn't give you a reason that she was uninvolved, other than the fact that it just seemed like she chose that route for herself. Uh-huh. She was just very much like, you got this. I'm not worried about it. Wasn't big on hugging her kid. Wasn't big on whatever. Then there was Tahani Al-Jamil's parents. Just very cold, very distant. Didn't I mean, they, they didn't really set expectations as much as they, I don't know, they kind of put these kids through a gauntlet. It was weird. Definitely. Kind of expected it without Saying them. it. Yes. Yeah. And then there was um, Jason Mendoza's dad, um, Donkey Doug. And Donkey Doug, <laughs> <laughs> Donkey Doug definitely wasn't going to be setting any expectations or, I mean, yeah, he wasn't setting any expectations. He did seem to attempt, but those are examples of parents on television that have this kind of uninvolved, neglectful parenting style where they're really not into it. Um, they're not giving you any expectations, but they're also not going to give you any love and whatever the intent is. But there is, um, before I wrap it up, there's like one pro that has been found to children who have been raised in this stylized form. They're of fiercely independent. They're fiercely independent. So these kids, they oh, don't well, get, right. yeah. I mean, and it seems honestly to make sense. So they don't get that guidance. And so they have to catch on to things really quickly and they have to be able to do things really well. And so they get to the point where they just, they can do things and do things. But the problem lies when they kind of go over the hump from being fiercely independent and fall into that parentification status where now not only am I fiercely independent and I can take care of myself, but now because I'm so independent and I don't need your love because fuck you, I'm resilient and I'm going to be amazing. 
now I have to take care of you as well. So Yeah, and they also don't really know what a healthy relationship is. Oh yeah. You're definitely it, it, it gets in it gets a lot more involved than we can get into right now. Absolutely, because we're not psychi- psychologists or psychiatrists or really fully trained professionals at mostly anything. anything. But we know how to basically raise our children and we're getting really close to getting them to that 18 year mark. So yes, we're doing a relatively decent job so far. Right. We're doing the Lord's work. Amen. Amen. So my question for you is where does aunt Viv fall in this? Which aunt Viv? Uh, The only one that matters. (laughs) Aunt Viv. I feel like aunt Viv would be authoritative because the only time she was ever really stern was when she was checking Will on his bullshit. But I Which like was Aunt a lot. Viv, yeah, well, he had a lot of bullshit. Yeah. Uh, West Philadelphia, born and raised. Born and raised. But I feel like Aunt Viv would definitely be an authoritative parent because she had firm expectations for her kids, but she did a damn good job of balancing it with love. And they knew she loved her. Like, they would run to her. They knew that the, uh, Uncle Phil loved their refrigerator, so... Yep, there was never a question ever that they had to worry about absolutely anything. You know when they did have to worry, though? Oh, when? When Will's dad left. Why don't he want me, man? Oh, no. (laughs) Why don't he want me? Man, (sighs) why do you want me to cry like that? Men ain't shit. Men ain't shit till they gotta be shit. And then they're still not shit. Still not shit. (laughs) But yep, that's it. That's all I've got. That's all the parenting styles. That's some examples of them. Yeah, that's it. All right. So I am going to talk about toxic parenting. And a toxic parent is someone whose negative poisonous behavior causes harmful and or emotional damage, usually both. And, you know, that damage can contaminate a child's sense of self. So... You are going to see, like, if you just listen to, you know, your examples and your explanation of the four different types of parenting, you can definitely see how there could be toxic traits in each of them. Yep. You know, not, maybe not so much with the authoritative because it does seem like that's pretty, you know, middle ground. But yeah, but that's not the end all be all. And, you know, it doesn't mean that you can't be a toxic parent while having that, you know, style of parenting. Exactly. So I do want to kind of just talk about, before I really get into it, talk about one thing as I go on TikTok all the time, (laughs) taking their doors, monitoring every single thing they do on their phone, you know, tracking them with that Life360. You know, I saw one where the daughter got into a fight with the dad so she couldn't go to her therapy appointment. Those are all really good examples of toxic parenting. Yes, taking their door, reading through their text messages, you know, it it is a very toxic trait. Hold on, hold on. Because I've never taken Jalen's door because it, it would take too much work to get it off. But I'm not going to lie. He slammed his door like 10 times in a row one day and then locked me out. So after I got in, because the fuck you slamming doors in my house for, I did take his doorknob. You know, and we also have to kind of put it into context about our own individual children's needs. Uh, But even like, yes, what bills are you paying to be slamming doors in my house? None. You ain't paying shit. But, you know, when it's just you talk back to your mother, so now you don't have a door or... 
you know, it's just things like that because especially teenagers, they do, you know, especially if they have their own room, they should have a little bit of privacy. Yeah. But, you know, when you're reading your kids like text messages and going through every single app and just making them open your phone and having all of these spying apps running in the background, that's like reading their diary. Like, why, why- do you like you just killing your phone battery with yeah. doing all that? I could I couldn't honestly see me doing some of that stuff unless there was like there's a there was an actual safety. worry about. Yes, a legitimate danger. This is not talking about, you know, you're, you think your kid's suicidal or you think they're sneaking out to do something or you think that your kid's friend is suicidal, something along those lines. We're talking about the type of parents who are like, oh, let me find out you're talking to a boy. Let me find out you're oh, doing nah. this. Let me no. You know, yes, they're minors. Yes, they live under your roof, but they are still people like we talked about and they deserve mm-hmm. to have privacy. You know, maybe yeah. if you don't trust your child, then they shouldn't have a cell phone or social media. Yep. If you don't trust them, why'd you get them that shiny new Apple iPhone? Why didn't you get them a jitterbug? Because that's I really mean. all they need <laughs> if they're taking the bus home or something. They just need to be able to call you. No, that's that's definitely facts. And I definitely agree with that. Like, I feel like my son and I have a good enough relationship where if something yeah. major is going on, we're going to have that conversation. But if he, he talking to like a little yeah. girl or shit a little boy or somebody like it's somebody. not gonna be I, but i also don't want to know all that unless i find out that something extremely inappropriate is happening and i'm not talking about two kids doing what two kids do i'm talking about something grossly like illegal we're talking about crimes are being committed right not them being stupid with their little 15 year old boyfriend girlfriend when they're both 15 but i do also want to say that my kids know about how serious nudes are Oh, yeah. No, we can't. At the under the age of 18, it can and will be considered child pornography. So do not send them to each other. Well, and like having those continue because I do want to know if there's a if there's, you know, you got a little little love flourishing because then I just want us to have that conversation. And I kind of want to embarrass them. Oh, you're going to kiss. I mean, exactly. Like having those conversations to make sure everybody's safe. What does, what I'm getting like going around in a circle about is safety. And that is not what you're talking about. No, no, we're definitely not talking about safety. And I have actually my fingerprint or facial recognition, depending on the phone in every single one of my kids' phones. Oh, damn. I don't So If I have to, for some reason, I can get into it. And, but my kids know that they start with trust. Yep. And I'm not just going to go through reading it. I'm not just going to go through and start going through their apps and whatnot, unless I felt that need to for reasons of their safety. Right. Not just because let me find out that they're out with. No, I don't, I don't care about that. Cause my kids are going to tell me where they are. Right. Cause or like I'm, you can, you know, your kids well enough to recognize yeah. any differences or any changes that would cause you concern. It's not yes. like you are just waiting for them to say something. Like if your kid was, something was looking suspicious Mm -hmm. then there's that but yeah i definitely agree with that and the following types of statements are blatantly toxic like you don't really have to put too much effort or reach into it uh essentially anything offensive about their appearance you're fat you look like just like your uh, father's ugly ass Oh, no. I've heard, you know, like, the you look like your father. Those are really hurtful and at the same time really confusing because you slept with them. Yeah, and, like, what if your dad is ugly and you know your dad is ugly, too? You'd be like, damn, my dad looks like a fucking dog. Now, you just want to be a 
dog. And I'm like, like firstly, why did you even do that to me? Right. But now that you did it, why'd you have to even say it to me? Like, no, bitch, I look like you and you look terrible today. See, that's like, I'm, I'm telling kids how to get in trouble. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another example is anything uh, provocative towards their actions. Why do you act so weird? Why do you talk like that? Stop being such a sissy. Act like a man. That one, in case you missed it, is homophobic, misogynistic, and overall toxic. Yeah, that, that one is like a triple threat. Oh, yeah, but I, I mean, I've heard these things said to people that I know. Obviously, that, that last one. Oh, I one, don't doubt it. That last one wasn't said to me, but I definitely know people that that was said to. You know, the, another form is toxic, toxic wishes. Such as, I wish I never had you. I should have had an abortion. I wish you were someone else. So you're going to be mad if she would have been like, I wish you never had me either. Like every Gen Zer, I wish I was a fucking abortion. That's, that, that's like, I feel that's all I see on TikTok. <laughs> all right. And another is anything that makes a child feel like a burden. You're too expensive. You exhaust me. It's hard to take care of you. Um, what you having kids for if you don't for. know? It's too hard. Seriously. You know, these are certain things that you, you say to your girlfriends, like, oh, my goodness, like, I'm hemorrhaging money. Like, I'm so tired. You tell you just kind of like vent about it, not blame the children to their face for it. Ever. Like, are they the reason why you're tired? Absolutely. But there's a way that you just like, you know what, I'm so tired, but it's worth it versus I'm so tired and I hate you. Because they're going to be like, I'm so tired and I hate you, too. So now we got two people that hate each other. Like, I can't wait till I'm 18. <laughs> so, also toxic comparisons such as, why can't you be more like your sibling? Your siblings are so much smarter than you. Like, your siblings are so much smarter mm-hmm. than you, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but listen, we're not trying to get kids beaten here. And Right, no, no, no. <laughs> the next one is obvious, and it's verbal abuse. I hate you. You'll never be anything. No one is ever going to want something like you. Ugh. So I don't even have like, anything funny to say. That one's just no, because that's just sad. And there are children all over the world every day that hear things like that. That's wild. You know, toxic parents also tend to put their feelings first, as we're going to discuss a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll give the silent treatment. We'll get into it later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they'll, they make the child responsible for their happiness. For example, I can't believe she's being so disrespectful. She's ruining my birthday. I should be happy, but I can't be because she won't apologize for doing and something for existing, basically. We'll get to it. You don't even know how many examples I have of parents saying shit like that. And like when they would say it, I would give them that face. You know that meme with the guy and he turns his head to the side and all the question marks pop up? Yeah, the what? Exactly. So I would do that. But I wouldn't face them. I would just look at the wall. And I'd be like, what are you doing? Because I could never comprehend how you, the adult, are talking to your child like they're another adult. Like, this exactly. isn't your man. This we'll isn't your girl. We'll get into it. Ugh. We will get into it. And when I tell you at work, I, I have my own office now. Thanks, Rona. Yes. But before that, I kind of faced the wall. And when I would hear people... I was so grateful to be looking against the wall because, you know, I can control my mouth, but my face needs deliverance. So I would just kind of look at the wall. I, <laughs> Your face needs Jesus. It, it needs everything. It needs the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost because I can't control my face sometimes. Thank God for masks. Because now when people say something crazy, it's just like, what? 
It's just like a blank stare instead of seeing my whole mouth twitch upward. Another thing that will rear its ugly head uh, later in my segment is gaslighting. This is the telltale sign that a parent or anyone is toxic. Anyone, whether it be your partner, if you are listening to this, and while I am talking in things that are specific to parents and children, this can be your partner, this can be your boss, this can be your friends. This can be your baby daddy or your exactly. baby mama. So, so listen to it. If anything you're listening to is like, wait a second, you know, just kind of put it in the back of your mind there and think about it another time because when you're gaslit, it is so easy to believe what you are hearing and what you're living because that's what you were groomed and told to believe. Mm, groomed that's a good word right there because that's pretty much what it is while it may not be grooming in the pedophilic sense it is still grooming for you to be abused in another sense that's right so here are some signs that you're being gaslit as a child by your parent they tell you what you do and don't like for example the child says i hate going to the beach and the parent says this family has always loved going to the beach you love it too so can you not tell me yeah. i like going to the beach you don't tell me shit that's like my it's, mom trying yeah. to tell me i like peas i don't like peas shut up but it's very benign but it's kind of like okay you could kind of see where it's laying the groundwork right they dismiss your unhappiness for example you're fine you're just hormonal or especially with boys boys don't cry mm. don't get me started that's Don't some get bullshit. Me started. I'll be making mm-hmm. boys cry all the time. So yes, but yeah. everybody cries. There's nothing wrong with crying. If you gotta cry, you gotta cry. Exactly. Uh, they tell you that your ideas are silly or stupid. This is an actual conversation that happened between uh, people in my story time. Oh, I think dear. that Donald Trump is a danger to the American people. And after doing my research, I think that Joe Biden is the better option. Parent replies with, "You're such a sheep, just like your mother. You can't believe everything you read online." All right, sir, because obviously you do. Okay, millennial. That's why you was out here wiring money to that Nigerian print. Shut up. Exactly, Boomer. That's what I meant. (laughs) (laughs) They like to talk about your wild imagination. And this is where you start to see things like with grooming and with overall toxic shit. I really don't like Mr. Joe Schmo. He makes me uncomfortable. And the parents' response is, it's just your imagination. And then my response is, that's not your imagination, little mama. Let me come help you because we about to beat his ass. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I wish that my child would come to me and be like, I don't like daddy's friend. Why don't you like daddy's friend? Is he mean to you? That's that's the end of the conversation. That's the end of the conversation and that's the end of this podcast because I'm going to be in jail. You know what? We could still, like, so listen, I listened to this one podcast called Ear Hustle. Half of the team was on the inside and half of the team was on the outside. We could keep going. That's what it's going to be like if you want to mess with my kid. All right. They insist that you're right and you're, uh, that they are right and you're wrong for no reason. They also see, you know, your ideas are silly and stupid. They feel that they're older and therefore automatically wiser. They claim that they are being attacked when you try to show, show them your receipts. Well, this is why that I came up to this. This isn't my mother telling me this. This is, look, it's right on video. It's right here. Oh, no, no, you can't believe everything you see online. You're ridiculous. Stop being such a sheep. But I'm literally showing you a video where they said what they said. That's fake news. Damn, you're really reading Republican parents hard today. I am reading one specific Republican parent, but if the shoe fits, and the last one is they deny behaviors that you call them out on. Of course they do. You can have their actions on video. You can have them screaming, yelling, being degrading, and they're still going to deny it or they're going to say that they're playing or tell you that they misunderstood your, you misunderstood their actions. They're never going to admit they're wrong and (gasps) apologize for overreacting because that's just not, 
felt something really happen. <laughs> <laughs> and I also, before I forget, this is actually my most famous TikTok comment. I think it's on something like 3,000 likes. Yes, girl. So it was a TikTok about girls having to go put on hoodies and sweatpants when male friends were coming over the house. Now, when I tell you why that's toxic, because why are you allowing a man that you think would look sideways at your underage child into your house, into their house, where they are supposed to be safe? One, if I think that you're going to look at my kids sideways, you're not coming. You're, I'm not even associating with you, much right. less you coming into my house. But it's like, oh, go put on some clothes. Uncle Joey's coming over. Uncle Joey ain't coming over here. He's not if coming I over. change my clothes. Because no. he's nasty. I mean, I could understand, like, obviously, we're not walking around in bras and panties when there's guests over. But no. so what's wrong with wearing a tank top and a pair of shorts? It's five quadrillion degrees outside. Why do they and have honestly, to it doesn't even have to be when a guest is over. I mean, there's just, like, personal boundaries within the household that you're respecting. Yeah. But I every also... household is different that way. Some households are comfortable like that. Some aren't. That's really not what that's all about. That's just inviting someone in your house that you think will objectify your minor child. We're not going to do that. Nasty. Not going to do that. And there's one recurring theme that I tend to see a lot of toxic parent scenarios, and it's narcissism. There are four dimensions of narcissism um, as a personality variable that have been denaliated. Okay. That have been chosen, that have been. They are identified, they are. listed. Yes. I mean, we could yes. we could throw out some synonyms. So cinnamons? Some okay. synonyms. <laughs> so, they are a leadership slash authority, superior slash arrogance, self-absorption slash self-admiration, and exploitativeness slash entitlement. I could say that, but I can't say that. What are you gonna do? It'd be like that sometimes. It does. And you know. Signs and symptoms of narcissistic personality disorder and the severity of the symptoms can vary. And the vast majority of people with this disorder are, will never be diagnosed just by the very basis of what narcissism is. Mostly that they don't believe they have a problem. And just because you have some of these traits doesn't mean that you're a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You are a clinical narcissist. But you can have narcissistic tendencies without being a clinical narcissist. And uh, you'll see that actually most people in politics are borderline narcissists. I mean, you just have to be. It's not necessarily yeah. a bad thing to have some narcissistic tendencies as long as you recognize them. They have mediocre white, mediocre white guy energy. Just oh, like, yeah. I'm top shit. Who are you? Some of these like narcissists have that straight little dick energy and it just, it hurts my soul. Yeah. So some of them, um, and they can vary. Like I said, they can have an exaggerated sense of self-importance. Pause if you are, list- this is anyone that you may know. Have a sense of entitlement. And if it is you, you know, let's all learn about ourselves. Let's grow and be better. Right. Have a sense of entitlement and require constant excessive admiration. Expect to be recognized as superior, even without achievements that warrant it. That's me. <laughs> Exaggerate achievements and talents. That's a lot of us. Uh, Be preoccupied with fantasies about success, power, brilliance, beauty, or the perfect mate. Believe they are superior and can only associate with equally special people. Now that is narcissism 101. Right. 
monopolize conversations and belittle or look down on people they perceive as inferior, their children, expect special favors and unquestioning compliance with their expectations. They take advantage of others to get what they want. They have an inability or unwillingness to recognize the needs and feelings of others, be envious of others and believe others envy them. Uh, They behave in arrogant or hot haughty manner coming across as conceited boastful and pretentious they insist on having the best of uh, the best of everything for instance the best car or office and at the same time people with narcissistic personality disorder have trouble handling anything they believe as criticism this mm-hmm. can include not talking to your child for two months we'll damn we'll get into it become impatient or angry when they don't receive special treatment have significant interpersonal problems and easily feel slighted react with rage or contempt and try to belittle the other person to making themselves appear superior, have difficulty regulating emotions and behavior, experience major problems dealing with stress and adapting to change, feel depressed and moody because they fall short of perfection, and have a secret feeling of insecurity, shame, vulnerability, and humiliation. Now, we're... We're almost done here. According to Psychology Today, being raised by a narcissistic parent is emotionally and psychologically abusive, and it causes debilitating, long-lasting effects to children. Fucking bet. It is often missed by professionals because narcissists can be charming in their presentation, displaying an image of how they wish to be seen. Behind closed doors, the children feel the suffocation of self-struggle with loneliness and pain. And the next line is extremely important. Quote, the narcissist is not accountable for their own mistakes or behavior. So the child believes that they are to blame and that they have flung childhood. Damn. Yes. And not all toxic parents are narcissists. You know, we talked about this earlier. Some are products of being raised by toxic parents and think it's normal. And honestly, I think a lot of toxic parenting traits are just because we are products of our environment. We're going to talk, um, names have been changed, so here's my story. Uh, We're going to talk about Joe, who is the father, Shirley, who is the mother. They are separated. They are no longer together. Both have remarried. Shirley's doing better without him. Oh, yeah. Shirley's Shirley, good. (laughs) And the daughter is Gabby. Now, with Joe, there's a definite history of toxic masculinity. He expects women to be subservient. And, uh, for example, he had 11-year-old Gabby go fetch him a beer one time. Shirley put that to bed. So, uh, a couple months ago, uh, it was the middle of June. So, it's probably like the week before Father's Day. So, that's June. It is now September. Almost three months. Uh, The 14-year-old who's going into her sophomore year, Gabby, came home with her her eyes done. So, you know, mom and her, they were just playing around with some eye makeup. He She comes home from mom's weekend and called her ugly a dry queen things like that you know demanding that she take it off and you know she stood up to him she said no and how dare you disrespect me in my house just really ranting on her vaguely threatening her kind of with those well you you know what's going to happen it's not a threat it's a promise don't push me you know those type of vague threats when you know damn well the last time they said don't push me or we'll see what happens. One of their siblings got their ass beat. Oh, so wow. she was called disrespectful. You know, this was a whole like hour long fight that night. She just goes to her bed without dinner. And the next day she calls Shirley to come and pick her up. So they, they go on that. No, I'm sorry. I have to 
to go back, it was Father's Day. So it was on Father's Day that they came and got, uh, Shirley came and got Gabby. And, you know, they waited till they were having a cookout. They were ignoring her. They were all outside for the Father's Day cookout. The stepmother, the brothers, all the family, and they just ignored Gabby. Damn. I feel like she wasn't even there. Like, she's not 14 years old. You know, in that argument, he likes to say that she's a child. You know, she has no business wearing makeup. So why are you treating her like another adult? You're the adult. She's the child. Why don't you right. act like that? So they tried to go over one more time about a month later. Still no messages, no calls, no texts, no nothing. They went over for another party about a month after that and they, she was completely ignored. So today, which is why this thing was running late, was Gabby gets a text message from the stepmother that says, what else do you want from school? Mind you, they dropped off all of Gabby's things at the house. All of her clothes, everything. And they say, oh, well, we'll be by to go get your key because because your brother needs it. Oh, damn. They straight up kicked her out like Will Smith style. They might as well shipped her off to the other side of the country. So mind you, Gabby goes to school in their district. So, you know, Shirley and Gabby go and make a, key, a copy of the key and Gabby's texting the stepmother and basically just saying things like, oh, well, is he going to talk to me? Like, what's going on? They keep telling her that she needs to be the one to apologize. She was wrong. It was disrespectful to him. They, uh, She ruined his birthday, ruined his Father's Day. Pretty much this whole list of, you know, toxic, narcissistic behavior was just what was happening. And she's like, well, I want to talk to him. They said, well, what do you need the key for anyway? She's like, I'm coming back on Thursday. You know, I have school. And they said, well, you're not coming into our house until you apologize. Oh, I'm sorry. So where I is she supposed to live, this child? Yeah, I'm sorry. I thought that she was 14 years old and you were 46 years old. But like, Not 14. Yeah. She, you want to say that she shouldn't be wearing makeup, that she's a child. So why don't you treat her like that child and talk to her? God forbid apologize for being such a dick and not talking to her for almost three months. And it, it just is mind-blowing to me. And you do know that it's all Shirley's fault, right? It's all Shirley's fault because he will never admit fault. He would say that, you know, the mom brainwashed her. I mean, I am raising some radical children, but that's not brainwashing. It's educating them. I bet Shirley is raising some radical children. Shirley's raising some radical ass children. Honestly, this whole story could go on for longer than we have time for, but it just drives me absolutely insane when I'm thinking about this, like how damaging it is to her. And it's kind of like they've reached this part of no return where it's like yeah like they may get over this hiccup but it nothing's ever going to be the same and it's your decision as an adult that you're making to purposely put this wedge in your relationship that could last lifelong because you refuse to accept blame or even just why don't we say why don't we just get over this and let's talk about it over eye makeup on a Saturday and she's in high school because he's toxic I mean that's the whole toxic People. He's Britney Spears toxic, and I don't mean Britney Spears person. It's, I mean the top the, the song. The song. Yes. yes. And I'm going to end my statement with a very commonly misused phrase. Blood is thicker than water. The quote comes from the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb, which actually oh, which actually means that it came from bloodshed and battle bond soldiers more strongly than simple genetic. But taking that into 
a, a context that we use, it's referring to that the family that you choose and the family that you make along the way can absolutely be stronger than your genetic tie. Just because your parents are toxic or you're a product of a toxic relationship doesn't mean that that's your fate in life. And if your family doesn't make you feel valued, there are people out there who will. That is very true. And honestly, I just think that's a stupid ass saying anyways, because even if it was meant the other way, like it's 2020 families look different. People look different. That's like saying blood is thicker than water, but you ain't seen your daddy in 10 years, but this new dude adopted you. Like he don't love you more than that dude did. Like get out of here. Get out of here. And we're going to actually remember to do it today. Today's OMG I Love It is by the incomparable Amber Patrice Riley. Mm, Yeah. Her song, A Moment, is now available on all streaming platforms. Her name in the music game is Riley, all cap. And I can't wait until October for the whole album because I literally just want to hear her sing anything and everything all the time. I agree with that 1000%. It makes me so happy that six years later she finally was like you know what i've got time and energy you got the right bitch on the right day yeah and, and so. actually i was listening to to one of jenna and kevin's uh podcast it was with one of the more recent ones before hiatus it was with cord and they're like didn't someone get in trouble for making an album and they're all like they got the right bitch on the right day it's been a solid six yep. <laughs> so <laughs> she right. is making her moves i love it and i totally agree do you have one i do so um mine's a little less famous so this um that i have is about a couple in bruton alabama and their names are lisa and freddie thomas mcmillan and they opened this restaurant called drexel and huckabee's and it is a donation only restaurant meaning that people can donate to um, like financially to them. But if you walk in the door and maybe you don't have any money, like you pay what you can pay to eat. So they're still going to feed you regardless of whether or not you have the ability to pay. And their whole thing is like, they wanted to make a space where people could still be getting like food that's cooked with love and they're they're in alabama and so like they put their whole foot into it i know their food must be amazing i am going to link the restaurant on our twitter page and on our um instagram i almost said on our facebook but we are not those and honestly i don't think we should become those because i've heard some stories about facebook group i don't want anything and so (laughs) with that being said um i just think that it is such an amazing idea that in the heart of Alabama, which I I generally don't think of great things that come out of Alabama. If you're from Alabama, then you are the great thing because not only are you listening to this podcast, but I'm pretty sure that you're probably amazing. But just to see something come out of Alabama that is just straight up love for your human person, especially during the time of COVID. I'm completely here for it. OMG, I love it. All right, so that is our show. We got all of our feelings out about our parents. We are slowly getting over our daddy issues because- No, we're not. No, we're not. We are not getting over them. We're gonna have them the whole time we're recording this podcast. But you can follow us and our daddy issues on Twitter at T-I-H-I podcast. You could also shoot us an email. Maybe you're a psychologist or a psychiatrist and you can help us. Or maybe you have an idea for a future episode. You could shoot us an email at tihipodcast at gmail.com. 
or if you want to tell me that you like me or that you don't like me, you can shoot me a tweet at Brits, B-R-I-T-Z, 1187 on Twitter. You can also shoot Windsor a tweet about basically anything at Windsor Reads on Twitter. Um, I hope you guys had a good time, and we will see you same time, same place next week. Good night. Good night. All right, so I'm going to end this one. Uh, do you want me to send you another one right back? Yeah, just send me another one. I'm going to... Um, I'm going to grab some, some water. Too. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Thanks. Bye. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.